Hey guys, I'm E.G. Daly, and you're listening to the Midwest Monsters. Woohoo! <laughs> Monsters Podcasts. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by Professor Wagstaff, Venomous Vinny, Hot Toddy. Glad to have you with us here today, folks. We are covering another edition of the Monster Mash. Hard to get through intros when people are laughing at you, but I'm hanging in there to do the best I can for you, the listener. That's who we do this for. And uh, we've each picked a film. You know the format by now. Uh, And I, Grizzly Abner, went with uh, 1990s, nay, maybe 89, Venomous Vinny, uh, throwing in some... some uh, Contrary. Yeah, date. just trying to fight Toddy on that one. But uh, 1990s or 89s, Demon Wind. <laughs> uh, I chose Demon Wind because it's a funny story. Um, years ago, the professor had a girlfriend. <laughs> years ago. <laughs> story yeah. in there. Um, professor had a girlfriend. I was happy once. <laughs> <laughs> as he takes a long drink of that three Floyd's gumball head. Um, and uh, her folks were out of town and we were all staying over at her place. And she says, Oh my gosh, we used to rent this movie all the time when we were kids. And we were like 1920. And uh, she says, it's the best. It's so scary. We have to rent demon wind. And so we went to family video and Demon Wind, as you, as some of you know, that wonderful VHS cover has the like 3D moving cover that when you move, uh, the window opens and the demon's coming through. Is and like a lenticular cover? Lenticular. Thank you, Venomous One. And um, so we rented it and we got back and we watched it and we were all pretty sure that we had just seen the worst movie <laughs> that we had ever seen. And I think, uh, did Vestron just give it the Blu-ray treatment? Vinegar Syndrome. Vinegar Syndrome. Yep. Okay. It and looks better than it has ever deserved to. It's it, it it's criminally good looking for the film that it is. Um, so decided to revisit that to see if if Demon Wind has changed in the past, you know, fifteen sixteen years as my taste in horror has changed. Uh, I'm not giving you a spoiler on if that's the case or not. So that's why I chose Demon Wind, um, Professor. I chose The Mist. Uh, for a number of reasons. One, I thought, for starters, it was underrated when it came out because there was such a string of um, kind of either watered-down TV movies or just shitty Stephen King movies that came out over the span of like 10, 15 years that even the cover just kind of lumped it in, I think. But at the same time, this is the same guy who directed Green Mile, Shawshank Redemption. Um, And I think it's interesting to take a look at it where he's tackling more horror with Stephen King in this instance. 
And also because uh, I'm not the only one on this podcast that enjoys older horror. And I think in many ways it taps into uh, elements, especially from atomic horror and the way that the story unfolds and is told. Um, that made it very interesting for me to want to see the black and white version, which I had heard about recently, uh, that they put out on the Blu-ray. And it's a legitimate, uh, through DI color, you know, it's completely removed. It's not just flipping the switch. They went in and, and truly did a black and white version of it. Um, and it, my only problem, just to give this away, uh, for starters, when I originally saw this was I loved it, but the CG was bad. As it is in so many instances. And what I was most interested in with this is that I had heard black and white makes it much more forgivable because some of the details in the color doesn't stand out as much. Because with black and white, you kind of heighten the sense of what you're watching. It doesn't necessarily have to be as realistic in that instance. So those were kind of the selling points for me to watch it because I already liked the movie. It's one I wanted to discuss, but it was also an excuse to finally see the black and white version. Cool. I picked The Terminator, 1984. Uh, I picked that one, number one. That was a movie that had an impact on me as a young kid. Um, uh, most people know I work in a haunted house during the Halloween season. And the first haunted house I ever worked at when I was like 14, I was a terrible uh, five foot four Terminator. <laughs> When like <laughs> lifts in my shoes and stuff, uh, Tom Cruise. It was yeah, it was a pretty sweet uh, prosthetic on my face, but I was a really whack Terminator. Uh, but I think that this movie often <clears throat> isn't overlooked in the horror community a lot of times. Um, my opinion, it firmly belongs in that category, um, and I just wanted to kind of bring it into the conversation for the show. Yeah, that'll be an interesting angle to discuss when we get to that. So, I chose One Dark Night, 1982. Um, mainly, I chose it just because it was released pretty recently onto Blu-ray. Um, was that Ronin? Code Red and Ronin. Code, yeah, Code Red. Um, movie I always loved. Um, can't remember what time period I saw it. I remember this movie uh, scared me way before I ever saw it because when I was a kid... Uh, I'm definitely a younger sibling, so by by many years. So my sister's like 10 years older than I am. And all her friends. And a lot of these horror movies, I was always described what they were. And of course, it was always followed by that they were a true story. So all I knew about this movie was it's about a, like some kind of warlock guy who dies and brings bodies to life in the, in the mortuary. And it was a true story. So that kind of... Uh, I think it took me quite a few years before I actually watched the movie before being told what it was. So it is based on a true story? I mean, I can't see why it wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing about the film screams fake at all to me. <laughs> so, uh, and, and again, the main reason I chose it was because it's uh, new on Blu-ray. So, All right. Very Sweet. good. I think that we have decided that we are going to start with my wonderful choice. <laughs> Of Demon Wind. Anybody got any dates and details? 1990. 19... <laughs> or 89. Depending on what you It's 1990 and I can tell you why, sir. <laughs> because <laughs> I remember renting this movie with House Party. So House Party, Demon Wind, double feature. Naturally. 
Yeah, so um, this was probably early 91, because it's when it took about a year to come out. Ooh, now he's done that the oh, third day. Oh, now, he, now I'm sucking teeth at him. <laughs> uh, Ooh, kill I don't have any listing as... I kind of feel like there's... I mean, there's really not a name that sticks yeah. out in this uh, They production. have Lou Diamond Phillips listed as a demon. So I do have... <laughs> so. What is that all about? Lou Diamond Phillips was married to a producer. And so he did some of the demons in the... So that's true. Yeah, but... <laughs> oh, man. Wow. I mean, if this movie came out today, let's be real, Lou Diamond Phillips' name would be on the box. What do you think <laughs> Lou Diamond Phillips would do if you walked up with a poster from this movie <laughs> to have him sign it? He'd spit in your face. So the top billing is Eric Larson, Francine LaPensier. Not the same Eric Larson from... Image Comics fame, I'm sure. Uh, no, definitely not. Uh, this guy was in a, was a deep cut for you nerds. A bunch of movies that no one's ever seen. Uh, Rufus Norris, Jack Vogel, Stefan Quadros, oh boy, Mark David Fritch, Sherry Lee, Bobby Johnston, and Lynn Clark. Now, do we want to pause on talking for a second? Let listeners go through their filmographies <laughs> real quick. <laughs> <laughs> it's got all the star power of the circus of the stars. That's a- <laughs> That's <laughs> written, written and directed by Charles Philip Moore, who did nothing else you've ever heard of. Um, so the premise is <laughs> weak AF. <laughs> the premise is um, there. It's like this ancient family curse, and this guy's grandpa or great grandpa was there. And uh, the house, something in there possesses him to become a demon. And then uh, this grandson, great-grandson, goes back to try to figure out his family's history. And it's really weird because when you go into the house, you enter another dimension. Because the house is in ruins. The best part about setting all this up is that it doesn't matter. Because they don't stick to any of it. <laughs> yeah, no. I love watching anybody it, try to put this into a linear Right, format. but it's important <laughs> to mention what you're mentioning because it's it's actually pretty entertaining keeping up with it at first going, to <laughs> wait, and like, like they're kind of going for it with these different ideas when in reality, what this movie really is is Evil Dead 2 made a bunch of money. We would like to also make money. Yeah. And it's the kitchen sink, too. We're yeah. just thrown into this. Thing. Oh, man. Everything they try to do in this movie. Um, should we should we give impressions on maybe when we first watched it and then how we felt about I, it That's now, my or? main thing I want to talk about. Yeah, let's do that. You want me to go first? Yeah. So when we watched this, as you mentioned, uh, with uh, my ex-girlfriend, <clears throat> when we were done, I thought, this is one of the worst movies I have ever seen. So with this viewing, what I learned is I hadn't watched that many movies yet because this is, I've watched so many (laughs) movies that are way worse than this since then. You sure about that? Yeah. Like (laughs) bottom line is for starters, (laughs) for starters, the special effects and makeup they have all over these people is got more effort and money spent on it than half of the B grade shit we've watched and covered. That's fair. So don't get me wrong. This movie is not good, but I'm talking like. Back then, it was like Manos kind of outrage, yeah. like Troll 2. Like, <laughs> and this is not that bad at all. This is more just a ripoff kind of soulless movie. Yeah. But it's got enough to be entertaining. And so that's what I thought was most interesting. I popped this thing in going, oh, man, let's do this again. And I started watching. I was like, ah, this uh, 
this isn't light like leap years w worse than everything else uh, like I had remembered it still bad but not as bad as I thought like I thought it was like the scum bottom of the barrel cinematically <laughs> <clears throat> I this is the first time I've ever seen this movie I've never even heard of this movie previous to this <clears throat> I watched over here with Grizz uh, as bad as it is we were laughing you know what I mean like it was an enjoyable watch in that manner that like it's so some of the stuff is so ridiculous that it can't do anything but elicit a la and a laugh out of you so while it's not a good movie it's kind of a fun movie it's entertaining yeah yeah especially just some of the the character choices in this film but yeah that that's it for me so um I like Ryan's girlfriend. Saw this movie as a as a kid. Um, first time I watched it, it terrified me. Um, <laughs> See, but remember though, this is nineteen ninety. Yeah, that, that back then, Dave Chappelle, if, you, if you haven't seen a lot of movies like it, and those demons start coming out with that facial makeup, demons always scare me. Johnson They're puking up the milk. hell out of me in Plan Nine. This wouldn't be any different <laughs> if I'd caught it back then. So terrified me. Um, I think I used to own a VHS copy and with the cool cover, which the Blu-ray, if you bought it in time, comes with a collectible 3D cover. Uh, I haven't watched this movie in a long time, so I was kind of worried that it's definitely not going to hold up to how I felt as a kid. But again, it's uh, I was pretty entertained, and I was expecting it to be a piece of crap. And I'm, again, I'm, I I agree. It's by no means a great movie, but what I wrote down was not horrible at all. Yeah. Um, I guess that would be my best review of it. It's still uh, it's still goofy, but there there are elements of the movie that's good. Uh, some of the demons are done well. Um, it does kind of get to that point where they're just like the restoration might have helped too. Yeah, it, it like tricked me into taking it more seriously because it was so pretty looking. Please tell me you bought it. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> So Steve. I don't know. Um, I'm. I would definitely. I would watch it again. Wow, you'd watch it again. Yeah. Oh yeah. Especially after it, uh, the dude, just for the just the 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 guy when he comes in, princess deserves flowers, oh, and man. then karate chops the can into the dude's <laughs> face. That's worth watching that for alone. Oh yeah, that I remember. That's all the, roar the and the laughter magician. I do yeah. love. I do love when the friends are all congregating to like come together. That they literally, it must have been like those '80s movies where the brat pack. They have to have the nerd and uh, the, the so eight, that's when the like, '80s blonde. We need, we need blonde bully yeah. magician, <laughs> kung, kung fu magician. Who doesn't Nin, have a, ninja magician? Who doesn't have one of those in their circle of friends? <laughs> I was trying to figure out what one of my notes was here, and I, I figured it out. And this one review of it online says, "We have yogurt vomiting, pulsating flesh." Toothy nod homages to demons, or even Night of the Demons, at every turn. Poltergeisty telekinesis, some evil children turning someone into an exploding doll, there's a Necronomicon-like diary, and a backstory about raising the devil. A cheap, beguiling boob ghost temptress that turns into a melty-skinned Freddy Krueger mess of a monster. A redneck zombie murder family. Loads of mustard-goo-bloody gore a spin kick decapitation, <laughs> and even a tongue strangulation scene. <laughs> I actually had a, a quick paragraph, too, what, that I liked. What more could you add? 
I want to read this for you real quick. Mondo-digital.com. This is the their quick kind of summary for it, and I thought it was perfect. Clunky, but hugely entertaining. Demon Wind manages to build up to an admirable, admirable frenzy of monster mayhem in its second half when the plot basically goes out the window to provide one possession attack scene after another. It's never quite clear how everything adds together with visions of spooky kids and awkward grandmother witnessing nudity. But it really doesn't matter too much with all the groove flying everywhere. You get enough of the necessary horror tropes here to make it a solid comfort food along the way. And then they mentioned, too, which I thought was kind of astute because I hadn't paid much attention to it, that the thumping John Carpenter-inspired score is a nice touch. So there's some elements in there where the production value is a little bit higher than it probably should be for how oh, damn yeah. goofy this movie is. Oh, yeah, big time. Big time. Uh, so I'm just going to say a few of my notes here. I don't think we need to belabor too much time on this film. Um, opens in 1931 with Corey's grandparents. The husband turns into a demon and he, and he, and then they drop this snow globe. And when they drop the snow globe, <laughs> the house explodes. Who hasn't been there? Though, you know I, what I mean? Bob Vila, where are you at? What you don't know in 1931 to make a snow globe, you had to use nitroglycerin. <laughs> <laughs> Little known. Little trick fact, of the trade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Professor already stole everybody's thunder by quoting a princess always deserves flowers. <laughs> That's the only thing I remembered about it going into this rewatch by the ninja magician character. <laughs> he kicks the can like five times up back up into the air before he kicks it into the dude's head. Hey, if you had that kind of skill, boy. Yeah, it's, just, it's great. Keeps going. There's um, butt cheeks eight minutes into this movie. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Terminator. <laughs> um, it goes on. Uh, the demons get a little rapey at one point in the film. Yeah, that's one of my notes. Yeah, gro- gropey demon. Gropey demons. Um, the guns have unlimited ammo. I never see anybody reloading. Um, but... I love the demon's ridiculous voice effects. Oh yeah, <laughs> I like that. The like the, there's no walls to this place, but yet the demons are like like why couldn't they just come in? <clears throat> well, but when you walk in, you're in the new dimension. Then why couldn't they just like beat down that house? I love <laughs> that it's got classic '80s blue lightning. Okay. That effect that uh, was in absolutely yeah. everything in the '80s. Yeah. Synonymous with jumping the shark. Usually, will, whenever we're using that in the plot, we're going somewhere that we probably say, uh, didn't need to. What's surprising? I think I did read somewhere that there was a planned sequel. Was it there? Never was a sequel because it was popular when it came out on VHS. Because everybody rented it for that cover. So oh, yeah. you know what? Though alone, like as many sequels that were unnecessarily made, I'm shocked that there was never mm-hmm. a second movie made to this. I wish how there was in, like an unofficial sequel. How come in somewhere? every one of these movies you're in this haunted ass place? This place is demon possessed place and somebody along the way is like man let's get it on in this house <laughs> like amid all of this terror is like you know what we could do right now sex <laughs> get grandma's diary <laughs> i want to know what kind of group of friends are like yeah you want to go investigate some death let's make it a weekend <laughs> let's do it i mean we do it all the time <laughs> um yeah any any input you guys have any notes? Uh, other than the movie makes zero sense. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> it could be a fun double bill late Friday night after Evil Dead 2 if you want to get even more nutty. If you want to get weirder. Yeah. Uh, I love the, the pastor that turns into a demon <laughs> at the end of the film and he yeah. goes, Am I not beautiful? Yeah. <laughs> 
I, dude, be, I almost missed that. You have to do the rest of the episode with that voice. <laughs> I almost missed that part because I was weeping. <laughs> What's even better is Corey's response when Corey says, God changed you into a snake and chicken shit at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Br- brilliant. Yeah, put that in a Sunday sermon. Uh, all right, any other thoughts on Demon Win? Oh, Corey becomes a like a super angel demon hybrid. I, that's when it turns into Star Trek Generations, or what was Next Generation? Oh, yeah, I was thinking more like Alien Nation. I felt like, yeah, he looked like a damn... I'm like, why is he an alien? Yeah, yeah, I, remember that show? In yeah, alien Nation? it's like, where are all them birthmarks on your head? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, so Demon Wind. Uh, Our next feature is... <laughs> right along. Uh, anyway, so, closing Demon Wind... Um, I would say if you're a genre fan, you've got to suffer through this. I don't uh, think it's it's it, you know what, and, and no matter what, it's it was still entertaining. Yeah, that's one way of putting it. I like to me, this is a more fun watch than like so, a lot of the sequels we've had to cover. For, sure. for those the, sure. for those that I always see on Facebook that obviously have never seen a bad film, like you should maybe start here instead of uh, the bad the worst movies they've ever seen is usually The Exorcist and et cetera, et cetera. I will say this is more top shelf. For vinegar syndrome, so yeah. so be prepared. This is better than Ghoulies Four. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, Leprechaun in space. Yes, yes, I'd give it that. All right, Demon Wind, uh, venomous one. Where would you recommend this to folks? Man, just it, give it a shot at least once. Enjoy it at least once. That's all I'll ever enjoy it is once. All right, fair enough. We're moving on to Hot Toddy's pick. One dark night. You got some dates and details. 1982, uh, written and directed by Tom McLaughlin, uh, who also went on to do Friday the 13th 6, Jason Lives, uh, starring Meg Tilly and uh, EJ Daly, Adam West. Um, I think in the movie she was billed as Nancy Mott, but she later married Tom, so Nancy McLaughlin, who's also in Friday the 13th 6. Um, yeah. That's pretty much the gist of it there. Cool. Um, kind of like a brief synopsis of the film? or Yeah, lay it on us. Give it a try. Um, so, and I can't think of the guy's name. Is it uh, Barlow, something like that? Raymar. Raymar. So, uh, <laughs> you want to tell this motherfucker? Boy, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sensitive around the table. <laughs> Breaking furniture. Uh, so, anyways, he's like a psychic slash serial killer. Uh, slash occultist. Psychic vampire. You know, it's, it was the 80s, so we're, we're right at the beginning of Satanic Panic. And here's what's funny. Psychic vampires are still very much a thing. Yeah. Like, people think that they can just, like, drain your energy. I was going to say, why the hell do you think I'm so tired? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... It opens. They they find the find his apartment. Find a bunch of dead girls. Um, when they move the body, it actually like a jolt of eighties electricity comes out. Uh, hits Our the ceiling. Our second film with eighties blue lightning. It won't be um, the last. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, uh, meanwhile, while they're uh, they're doing the funeral for for him, and they put him in a mausoleum, and we go to our main characters, which is a uh, sorority sisters, and our lead Julie, played by Meg Tilly. Is wanting to to join the the sisterhood. Um, I kind of feel like mainly kids. because her her boyfriend dated like the head of it, and so it's 
kind of like she's being called out on all this stuff. Um, and of course, that is why the the main girl is doing it is to kind of kind of be a bitch to her. So to amp it up, they uh, they they do one last one last initiation for her to uh, to join the sisterhood because they don't think she'll do it, which is to stay overnight and locked in in the mausoleum where the um, insert name here again. Marla, what is it? Raymar. 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 Why can't I remember that? Like hillbilly psychic name. Uh, <laughs> so uh, she's uh, this is where he's in the mausoleum, and his body is full of a uh, vampiric psychic energy, <laughs> and she is locked in uh, the tomb. And of course, the girls, because it's an '80s movie, they come in to play pranks on her as well. And little do they know that the uh, Raymar's body actually brings to life the the corpses around him. Reminded me a lot of Hell Knight that we really recently watched. It did have that Hell Knight feel. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what I kind of forgot about this movie is that it's PG. Um, and it's been a while since I've watched this. I kind of almost... I had to look it up. It almost felt like this time... Maybe this was like made for television. I thought the same thing. It was that it felt made for TV. Which it wasn't. And, and something funny too is it kind of has a lot of... Um, there's a lot of similarities to Poltergeist, and this movie was actually thought of, written, like filming way before Poltergeist, but because of Troubles, it got released after Poltergeist came out. So, kind of feel like if it would have came out first, obviously it's not going to steal the thunder of Poltergeist, but it probably would have made more money and like been a, a better known movie. I still think it's, um, a lot of people are aware of the film. Um, I definitely like this better than Poltergeist. Mm. <laughs> boy. <laughs> oh boy. Looking for that pop. <laughs> uh, Todd's mad now. <laughs> I, quit, I quit the show. So, Hot Toddy, was this your first time seeing it? No. No, no. Oh, that's right, because you had said you saw Did it. Did I not talk earlier in this show? Like, why am I here? <laughs> We're doing this again. Why am I here? Forget everything Todd says. <laughs> revisiting it. All right. <laughs> the running gag. Uh, this is my first viewing, and um, it started, like, when it started, I was like, oh, God, what is Todd making us watch now? But uh, I do try to choose those movies. <laughs> I'm surprised but, you didn't remember this from in the past with me, because I was obsessed with this. Really? Yep. I'll talk about that more though. Continue. I mean, like, I thought that uh, Heath Ledger was great in this <laughs> as the Joker, <laughs> The Dark Knight, right? Yeah. So we watched. Makes that. Makes that. Pencil disappear. It's crazy. <laughs> no. Yeah, there's your pop you were looking for. You got me. <laughs> no. Um, at the beginning, like I said, I watched it and I thought, I was like, oh man, what has Todd done now? <laughs> and by the end, I was. Mind you, after you'd picked Demon Wind. <laughs> <laughs> preach boy preach uh, by the end uh i wasn't really upset with watching it so that's that's kind of my initial impression it was weird for me because i don't i can't remember the genesis like where this was discovered in my household uh up until recently i never met another human being that knew this movie until todd um but what was weird for me is i went out to la with my dad in 1987 and we went to Hollywood Forever Cemetery. I think it's it had a different name then. But we went to that mausoleum. 
and I'm pretty sure it's I mausoleum. Yes. So I don't know if it was on like USA Up all night, or I rented it, or caught it on some channel, whatever. But I think my dad recognized it the because they had that establishing shot out front, and he was like, "We were there, Ryan." From there, I I was like, "I have to see every frame of this." I mean, I was just obsessed with it. I was like, "I've been there." That was like my first idea of a filming location, and so. I was fascinated with it, but then on top of it, I was allowed to watch all of it. There was nothing gratuitous that I had to be shielded from. And so that was a modern horror movie that made a huge impact on me. Not that it was you know, necessarily a great horror movie, but mm -hmm. it was the simple fact that I had been where it was set, paired with it had things familiar to me, like you mentioned with Poltergeist, that just made me go, this is awesome. And that was kind of like an early understanding for me that not all horror movies were big and not all kids knew them. No one at school knew what the hell one dark night was. And so it was like a little treasure for me because mm -hmm. it was, I'd been there yeah, and I loved the movie and no one knew anything about any of that. And so for years, uh, I, you know, I liked it back then. I had a, like a dubbed copy from TV. I watched and I just kind of forgot about it as I got older. And then one Christmas, my dad surprised me with it on DVD, which is long out of print, but it had like, uh, sales from the film strip oh, in there and stuff. Yeah. So I have the DVD for it too. So when they, so when code red announced that they were doing a, you know, a legit Blu-ray with and, it, with the, a restoration, the, I was excited. The DVD excited. was poorly restored. It too. was. So the Blu-ray looks great for it, but that was kind of my interesting experience with it. And especially at that age, because I saw that like in the late eighties, there was nothing cooler than teenagers. So on top of it, you've got an initiation. Yeah. It just, all of it was ripe for me to enjoy at that time. So I'm not objective with this film. Like I can't view it in a way that like you could for the first time. It's sure. just, there's too much there. I enjoyed when I was little with it. Cool. Very cool. All right. <laughs> Full disclosure. I only watched about half of this movie. <laughs> really? And here are the circumstances. Why he hates so, Adam West and Batman. <laughs> yeah. So my commentary, I'm going to, I will step back for the most part from commentary on this rather than try to bullshit my way through it. Um, Grizz gave me the a file to watch on a flash drive on Thursday this week. Today is Sunday. Uh, wouldn't work on my Jabroni TV because of my uh, remote or whatever. So I don't have a laptop in the house. <laughs> Your YouTube was yeah, I, yeah. Couldn't find it anywhere like that either. So I, I thought you had a laptop. So we did. Long story. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what, what happened? Tried to watch it out at my parents today. They old. They don't have anything that can read the file on their computer. So then I realized once I'm home, oh, my son has an Xbox One. So I got about half of it watched before uh, I was picked up to come over here. So well, did you watch the first half or the last half? First half. <laughs> so that's <laughs> uh, the best half. So I'm going to uh, basically recuse myself from uh, this movie. I, I will say that I was excited to see that E.G. Daly was in it because yep. I'm a big. I was going to say you got Pee Wee and. Batman alumni in there. Yeah, but I kind of hate the 60s Batman. But uh, oh, This is awkward. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, I'll recuse myself from uh, further commentary on this particular movie. Cool. Um, so I haven't watched this in a while, so bought the Blu-ray. I felt like the Blu-ray looked really good. The I own the DVD copy, which was probably the last time I had watched it is when that first came out. Um, the DVD copy just... It was just the VHS put on the DVD, yeah. to be real. Um, I've always liked this movie. I still think it's fun. 
Um, since I haven't watched in a while, there's things that I noticed that I hadn't noticed uh, maybe before. Like I said, it almost felt like it could have been a TV movie. Um, I definitely think of a lot of movies that get remade all the time. This would be perfect to be remade, like with a, a bigger budget. And then sure. um, some of the slow stuff in the movie, like and like looking into it, like they were all against it except for the studio. It's so like the the daughter listening to the tapes where it gets boring. Mm -hmm. That was not in the original script, and and that was like the producers doing that. So the director even kept saying, "Everyone's gonna be bored." And uh, also, the Blu-ray is cool because it has the uh, work print edition, so where it was called originally, "Rest in Peace," and so you can see some of the like his original intent of the film. But I always like this movie, and I still like it. Um. Other than that, like uh, something I learned while watching it for this one was that Dominic Dunn auditioned for Julie yeah. and then went on to do Poltergeist instead. So, Cool. Did you watch the special feature with McLaughlin on there? Uh, I did not have time to watch any well, of them. It's cool because he takes you inside the mausoleum and shows you his spot. He's already got one bought oh, with wow. his name on there with just the birth on it. So he'll be going in the same mausoleum where he filmed that, nice. which also has a ton of people like Peter Lorre. I mean, it's just an endless list there, but um, the, I'm glad you mentioned the, the, the kind of TV vibe to him because that's what he went on to do predominantly. And you can even look at something like uh, Jason Lives. That is by far the, the lowest down on gratuitous anything. It, it really relies more on suspense, which he was good at. I think he did Sometimes They Come Back as well. Um, but he has had a, a pretty lengthy career mainly in television. And I think part of it is because he's got the skill set that probably, I, I mean, it seems like it came from old horror movies because he's very good at creating mood and scares, but almost in an innocent way. And even when you go back and watch like Jason lives, it's a different film than the rest of that franchise. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, you can really see a guy making his first movie. For a first movie, it's pretty impressive. And and when I say TV, I think the biggest thing that stands out is the long pauses in between yeah. scenes. Where like if you if you ever watch a TV movie where they take the commercials out, there's that long. Either there's a long pause or they repeat what you just saw. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. Um, and that that to me is where I got the like TV vibe because I mean it's still a. I don't. I'm, I'm a. I don't think it matters what a film is rated for it to be scary. Um, my only issue is if they take a movie and chop it down to that rating, then I have a problem with it. But I mean, there really wasn't a bunch of gore or anything. I'm like, and, and at the time PG 13 didn't exist. So I definitely don't see it being rated R either. Right. Right. I, I thought the setup was pretty interesting. Um, you've got these six dead girls in this apartment and then the apartment is strangely damaged all the weird things yeah. in the wall like the saucers and dishes yeah, at yeah, half yeah. in the wall so that struck my interest and of course when they touched his hand the the blue hand lightning i was like this is interesting it's it's an interesting start then they moved on to that bit about the psychic vampire and it's like not much stuff talks about psychic vampires but when i when i watch some of the ghost hunting shows and paranormal shows there are people who say that they are uh, psychic vampires, you know, and talk about draining energy and things like that. And so it was interesting that that was such a concept that they used it in this film made in the eighties. Mm -hmm. And it's something I've only been aware of in the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, but I was 
really irritated by the girl who kept the toothbrush in her mouth throughout the whole film. That, that, That's the that thing my dad a, always mentions when I mention the movie. He'd be like, oh yeah, toothbrush. There's a, a, a friend of, uh, of Tom and the co-writer yeah. that, that had that quirk, and you so they put that. it in the film. Yeah. Um, so the beginning of the film hooked me, and I thought it was a little interesting. Then there was a little bit of a lull throughout the second act, but the third act uh, really... Um, like I said, it didn't make me love the film, but I was like, oh, I did enjoy this. Um, when those coffins start slowly coming out of their crypts in the mausoleum, I thought that was really cool. Um, and then just the fun corpse effects of all the corpses coming out at the end. I was like, this isn't like super high special effects. I was like, but it's fun. Mm-hmm. I, I like too that he kind of like was using his power to do it instead of if he would have just reanimated them, it would have just been another Return of the Living Dead. And right. I know that obviously this came out a few years before that, but there's countless movies where you're stuck in and it's a bunch of zombies and right, right. This was this was creepier than that to me. Yeah. Just they weren't as animated. And, and you know we haven't mentioned either that to be even more uh, cunty. They they give her uh, what do they? They gave her some kind of pill and. Oh yeah, Dem- was it Demerol? Yeah, Demerol like or something. Her up so, she- so they doped her up so they could pull even more pranks on her. So she's yeah, because she thought she could use it, it to be knocked out, and it's actually the opposite. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, and in the end, the the daughter of the psychic comes in to save the day because there's like a weird psychic connection, and uh, she comes in to, which is Adam West's wife, and she comes in to uh, to make sure everything's cool. Very much like Jaws Four. Yeah. So that's all I've got to say on the film. Uh, closing comments from you guys. Just the one that the only thing that bothered me about this, and this goes back to when I was a kid, was the use of the compact with how epic everything had been throughout. And then like her powers aren't strong enough to, to take on his, but the mirror reflects it and sends it back to him. And it was like just one of those classic 80s cop-out endings. And I can remember not being used to those at that age and just being like, Oh man, like I thought it was just going to keep mounting and mounting and then it's just like, you know, done. It's just like, oh, but it's still, I mean, it, uh, clearly it didn't affect my enjoyment of the film because I still love it. That kind of reminded me of some of the, the like Italian horror films with the, the compact. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it, to me, it's still a front fun watch. The only other thing that I have to add was that, uh, that they didn't want Adam West to be in the film until that uh, they found out that he was not being cast because Batman was shadowing him. And so uh, being that they were actors and stuff themselves, they, they cast him to, to give him a chance to play something other they than Batman. The, they wanted the Dark Knight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey uh. Right on. Well, I'd recommend this film. I really would. Yeah. Uh, it's probably one of the better ones you've chosen for the Monster Mash Tough. Well, we know who likes good movies and who likes bad. <laughs> What a treat. What a treat. All all the shade, boy. (laughs) Uh, Very good. So, uh, moving on to the next film, which I believe we have chosen Professor's Pick the Mist to be. Ah, Yes, uh, as I mentioned previously, Frank Darabont directed this based on a novella written by Stephen King. Um, Darabont, like his work with Green Mile and Shawshank, uh, also adapted that to the screen. Uh, you can also see some uh, early aspects of the first season of 
the walking dead. Those of who are familiar with that, um, cause you have some of his, uh, familiar, uh, people that he has in yeah, his films. Yeah. Um, so our main character in this is played by Thomas Jane. He plays David Drayton. Uh, but we also have Marcia Gay Harden, Laurie Holden, walking dead, uh, Andre Brower, Toby Jones, William Sadler, Jeffrey DeMunn, um, the Shermanator, Chris Owen, yes. pops up in there. Um, and uh, as young as ever in this yeah, film, too. Like, looked younger like, than uh, American Pie. Yeah, I was like, that looks, does the Shermanator have a younger brother? Well, and he was just in uh, the most recent Sharknado, too. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> For those of you keeping score. Um, and then uh, Melissa McBride, who has a fairly small role in this. People know her from The Walking Dead as well. Um, it's... You know, I talked about earlier that it's very similar to kind of like the Burt Gordon films from the 50s and Atomic Core. That's certainly the, you know, the case here because uh, not only will we end up dealing eventually with something that is very similar to the monsters in those in, in many ways and uh, what caused it, but also uh, just the aspects, especially in black and white, of we basically get a group um, trapped together in a spot, but what leads us there is we open the movie uh, with Thomas Jane's character. Uh, David Drayton is doing, you know, an everyman's job, painting posters for Hollywood movies. Um, <laughs> and a storm uh, comes through a bad one, and it sends a tree right through uh, their window of the house. And that's, we, you know, we open the film with this crazy storm and the, and the fallout the next morning um, with him having to scrap the poster that he'd done and so he's headed into town, you know, because the Dark Tower poster he was working on. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Because initially I kept thinking it was Clint Eastwood until they moved the camera a little bit and you see the tower. Yeah. Um, and I think what well, he had the thing, had a thing yes. up there on the wall behind yeah. it. Um, so he heads into town uh, to deal with the fallout of this. With he his also, neighbor. yep, who he has the run in with. They clearly have not gotten along in the past. Uh, but when um, Drayton walks up on him, he realizes he's having just as bad a day and kind of cools off because they need to exchange insurance insurance stuff because Brower's tree is the one that went through his window. Anyways, he uh, gives him a ride into town because his neighbor's car has been all smashed to hell. And uh, we end up at a grocery store where we will spend the rest of the movie for the most part. Um, And you kind of get into the classic tropes of this setup with the, the division between humans um and 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 that as that escalates i mean we can talk about specific things but plot wise we we get in this spot an occurrence happens where we trap them because we have jeffrey demun a regular uh for frank darabont comes running up to the grocery store and he's got blood on his face and he's screaming he's coming you know there's something in the mist and the mist is not far behind him and everybody at first is kind of like Uh huh and it's one of my favorite parts of the movie because i feel like it perfectly captures that moment of uncertainty that we all go through at some point or another if not dozens of times where it's not necessarily something you believe immediately but the fear of not knowing what is right in front of you what's happening i feel like they capture that really well because nobody overreacts in the grocery store but everybody pauses because it's just like um what? Because, I mean, this is a small town. Yeah. We know everybody, so they know the characteristics. It's not normal for this man to be running up with blood all over his face, screaming that there's something coming out of the mist. Yeah. So he uh, 
gets their attention and they seal things up and get inside. And from there, as the movie unfolds, not only do we aim to learn what's going on outside and why is there something in the mist? You have detractors. You have people saying it's not something supernatural, mainly our neighbor. Um, but you also have people saying that it's something biblical. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's also the focus that we are right next to a military base. And so we have some guys who are in there who are trying to get out within the, the next half hour thinking they can kind of evade something that they know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, without going tip for tap for the whole film, that's basically where we're at. We have things that occur where we learn more about the monsters, um, some pretty gruesome moments. Uh, primarily the one that always stands out to me is the Shermanator. Um, yeah. when William Sadler, uh, kind of encourages him to go out and do it and basically gets this kid killed despite other adults trying to say, no, don't do that. Yeah. And so we see tentacles, we have large insects coming up and this is w where I was referencing Burt Gordon films, because then you get into the kind of the atomic horror yeah. being by the military base, the gigantic oversized creations that yeah. are now killing people but what the difference is with this this is much more serious in tone and subject matter whereas those were more popcorn matinee yeah, yeah, yeah. films whereas this is more about the humans inside mm -hmm. than it yeah. is and you can totally see not as much like a william castle style. exactly yes. and so you can totally see also why he did season one of the walking dead this yeah. is like the blueprint for it oh yeah and even Thomas Jane is playing a Rick-style character. Right. Yeah. And so for for the fact that he directed it and the fact that it's a Stephen King story, I thought it kind of got forgotten quickly. And so that's why I picked it. Because I loved it the first time I saw it, and I was just as guilty of that. I was like, well, it's Stephen King, so I'm going to check it off the list. This ought to be good. I mean, I'd watch like 10 doo-doo movies probably in the last sure. couple of years at that point, getting them at like Dave's video use, just seeing them to see them. Yeah. And watching this one and being like, well, damn. That was good. And the one other thing I did want to say is the black and white, I thought, did help the CG immensely. Immensely. I would agree 100%. I, your initial I have never seen this movie before. I thought that I had, and I realized I was confusing it with The Fog. Um, so I'd never seen it, so I've never seen it in color. Um, I watched the brief uh, commentary with the director, leading up to the, before the movie started. And he was saying that he had always kind of pictured it as a black and white older style film, but that's a very hard sell to a movie studio now. And he was glad that he got to present it. Yeah, I like that, that he format. mentioned Burt Gordon in that intro too. Um, so I watched this movie and overall I can say that I don't know if I had seen this in color, if I would put it over as much as I am now as in black and white. Um, was it 2007 when it was released? Correct. That's a tough time for movies. Yeah. Because that's a, that's a moment. That's a, that era where things don't quite look like they're on film and they don't quite look like they're digital. It's like, you know what I mean? That that's the tail end of that. Phase. Yeah. It's, it's that tweener area. Um, so I think absolutely the black and white, I can't picture Watching it any other way. I'll never watch point. the color version again. Um, yeah. Likewise. I would. The cast was great all the way through. Uh, I can't pick out a bad actor for you in the bunch. Mm -hmm. I think everybody, they weren't just serviceable. They were good in every role that they were given. Um, this movie 
got me to shout things aloud at my television, which is not a common thing for me. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, in parts, got me so worked up that I'm yelling shit at the TV. Um, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I'm glad that it was picked because it's, I don't like you had alluded to it earlier. It's not because it's later Stephen King work, uh, movies that puts me in the mind of thinner and things that just weren't that good. You know what I mean? That is not dream catcher. That is not the case of this movie. This, this is a good movie. Mm -hmm. Like I, I will, I will absolutely watch this movie again. So I'm glad, I'm glad that I, it was an assignment that I enjoyed. Good. Toddy. Full disclosure, I watched Gorillas in the Mist. <laughs> um, Amy, hungry. So, um, Don't start that Congo shit. Uh, I watched The Mist when it first came out. And this is going to surprise probably the room, but I did not like this movie. Whoa. Um, what? Did not like it at all. 2018? 2018. Um, I, unfortunately, for this viewing, did not get to watch a black and white one, and I had to rent this movie. Um, it was actually kind of harder to find than, than I thought it would be. Um, rewatching it, I liked it a lot more than when I, when I first watched it. Um, and I'd only ever seen it when it first came out. So to me, um, I kind of forgot about all the, I didn't, I didn't know any of those people. Um, so watching it now, I'm like, damn, it's like half the walking dead oh, season yeah. one. Um, in fact, like even the guy, uh, Sam Wentware from, uh, being human and Smallville. Yeah. Um, he was even in, I didn't realize he was in Walking Dead as like a zombie. Oh. Um, and then there was like three other cast members you didn't name that were all part of Walking mm-hmm. Dead. Did you know that Lou Diamond Phillips is one of the N6? Yeah, the one, uh, <laughs> the one soldier that ends up um, yeah, he's, an unfortunate ending, he was he was on that first season. One yeah, of the guys so, that hangs himself. Uh, Juan Gabriel yeah. something. <laughs> I can't read names. Sorry, just caught me <laughs> off guard. So uh, it's pronounced something. Kind of uh, rewatching it too. I I did like, and I think that's something about Darabont is uh, obviously the Walking Dead thing. But there's a lot of Stephen King alumni in this movie too. Mm-hmm. So like Thomas Jane was in Dreamcatcher. I did know Thomas Jane was actually his first choice for uh, Rick Grimes for Walking Dead. Really? Ah. Hmm. Um, and then um, I'm trying to think of the Francis. But he couldn't Stern. pronounce Coral. <laughs> Francis oh. Sternhagen uh, was also in Misery and Golden Years. I like how this yes. movie has turned into this shit on the That's right. Head. I couldn't pin it. I'm glad you mentioned that. that uh, completely William Sadler was Shawshank uh, Redemption, Green Mile. Um, so to me, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then, too, um, what I, obviously I love Green Mile and Shawshank, and I like Walking Dead. But to me, um, I always like Frank. I think he's forgotten about his earlier films, but I will always love him for the blob and Nightmare yeah. on Elm street three, which wasn't Darabont yeah. a writer on. Yeah. He wrote, uh, he co-wrote the blob and he co-wrote Nightmare on Elm street three. Nice. Um, so yeah, rewatching it for this. I loved a lot more. I kind of forgot about like the posters in the room. So like, it was cool that he was doing the dark tower, uh, and the thing, um, the ending of the movie always, I don't know. I just hated this for some reason. The first time I watched it, um, I'm surprised. I'm really. You know, you know what's probably that. changed. To be honest, is when I watched it, is I'm like, I don't want to live in this world, and now we live in this world where you've got some crazy ass people that no matter what they hear, they're still gonna side with the, with some crazy guy running things. Yeah, so, there's a great scene in that where I think it was Lori Holden screaming how how long they've been in there and how soon 
people are turning and mm-hmm. getting yeah. it's like we've only been in here what like two days or something i can't remember the and line talking but. about how quickly people drink the cool turn yeah 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 I, I knew the richmond boys were gonna pop for the jim jones reference hey. <laughs> so um i enjoyed this film the first time i saw it and i too had been looking for an excuse to watch it in black and white and i like it better in black and white because it does cover those flaws of the cgi definitely um it also feels like the movies that it's kind of loving on a yeah little oh bit absolutely yeah. yeah it feels like there's a, a 50s atomic horror yeah. movies. i will yeah. i will after after liking it i own this at one point just to own it and then i just got rid of it because i always hated the movie so after yeah. watching i'll probably like track down the black and white one well and it's the perfect setting too because that's kind of timeless you put them in a grocery store with with you know yep, you got exactly. the people bagging groceries I mean, and stuff and in because small town. because it's small town yeah uh small towns are I know from living in them, there are behind the times a little bit. So it does give it a more, an older feel yes. to the community as yeah. well. And I'm not crazy about the monsters, you know, the insects or the tentacles. I beings. feel like they showed too much. But that's honestly. what's great with the black and white is you can't see them that much. Yeah. yeah. The mist keeps it because it's so yep. white mm-hmm. that you don't really see the details. I think the CGI threw color. me off too, but there, there are like the, where they go into the, the pharmacy to me, that was always a cool scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'll just go on to say just some of the things here that haven't been mentioned. Um, yes. I mean, our immediate jump is to fear and paranoia when this mist rolls in and then uh, William Sadler comes up with the bloody face. Like, I mean, it's, it's immediate. Like I knew they were doing something at that military base. I knew that this was the end times. I knew that that's, I mean, it just... it's almost night of the living dead. Night of the living yes. dead does not give you an excuse for the zombies. So, it's all of the it's it's well, the apocalypse. And the and thing that I I appreciated about it as well is they give you an explanation, but it's three minutes of the movie, mm-hmm. and that's all you need. Yeah. That's all you need. They didn't they didn't beat it beat it over the head like it, I really liked it. It was very quickly explained because it is all you need. It was very Twilight Zone to me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, immediately we get into tribal separation, we get into speculation, we get into um, not a whole lot of racism, but a little bit more so classism, yeah. uh, especially when they're back there on that loading dock with the Shermanator and, uh, you know, Thomas Jane's trying to cool everybody down and the other guy says, hey, I don't appreciate the way you're talking to us just because you've been to college doesn't make you any smarter and I'll, I'll knock the teeth out of your damn mm-hmm. head. And it's like, whoa, Fair. hey. How yeah. did we get to this point? Right. I mean, just that quickly. Um, well, and that's the terrifying part is because we absolutely know from when after Hurricane Katrina how quickly our society breaks down. We is it de-evolve or devolve? Devolve. Yeah. 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 How quickly we devolve. Well, and and this one too. You know, they they exploit people's fear and and confusion and and so like they're already misguided. So how yeah. easily. You know, like, like where it's, everybody's like, man, this lady's crazy. And then day two, it's like, that's who she's got four that. followers. Yes. And then day three, like half the grocery store. And yeah. And that's who I, that's who I was cussing at on the TV. That, that woman had such a gross feeling in my stomach. Ooh. Like this last election. It, it yeah, falls in bit. line, little falls bit. in line. Yeah. Be, it, and I think that's a part of the movie that I've said before that I like to keep my horror separated from reality a lot. Uh, this mingles the two, and, and it's ahead of its time, but it mingles the two, but I appreciate it for it. 
speaking of reality, I, I got to admit something here. Uh, I find Marsha Gay Harden extremely sexy. She's my weirdest crush ever. That's super weird, dog. Can't help it. It's there. <laughs> After I saw her on the newsroom, I was like, oh, man. So, there you go, world. <laughs> you learn something new every day. Yep, she's working with Joe Lynch right now. I hey, keep creeping on the pictures. Ain't as weird as Jessica Lang. But go ahead. <laughs> or Helen Mirren. Nah. Uh, Them are babes. Uh, <laughs> I, as I... It, Talking out of both sides of my mouth, you know, on the one hand, I was saying... I'm Got you uncomfortable, about... don't I? <laughs> yes, I'm very... very you got a weird boner right now. Yes, it is. It's, I don't know what's happening down there. Um, but uh, in the same breath that I would say I don't like the creatures, I really did like that scene where the flyers came in and they're trying to fight them with fire. It's mm-hmm. a very att- intense scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, very... When anxiety. dude spills that bucket and the bucket catches, it's like, oh, I'm, a, I'm in my house going, you fucking idiot! <laughs> And I love just the classic scene from like all those old fifties and sixties movies of the guy running on fire, waving his arms, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like even down to that. Is there anything else you guys want to say before we get to this soul crushing ending? No, no, I already got my crush out of the way so we can talk about the end. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, I would say if you have not seen the movie, this is a spoiler. Um, Turn this shit off right now. I would say fast forward five minutes to get to the next film because this ending. Uh, oh man so so the the ending as bad as it is i did read that darabon had said on 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 the way he wanted to end this film so much that the weinstein company was like did not want it and he actually took uh, a pay cut as director so he would like they no matter what they could not touch his ending Mm. so what a bastard so except for uh i there there is a We'll talk about the ending, and there's there's more of the ending that he wanted, and I'm like, what a horrible person. Uh, Thomas Jane's character makes a run for it at the end with his son and three other people. They basically drive till they run out of gas. Well, he drives to his house first. Oh, yeah. And finds that his wife is dead. So, yeah, there's strike number one. Like, yeah. Oh, and that's, that's rough to begin with. Yeah, find his wife dead in some sort of spider web thing. And I would have viewed that totally different as a younger man. Yeah. But now that I am a man who is married and has a child, that hits me. I know it hits me different than it would have if I would have watched this 20 years ago. Absolutely. So they find that. Then they drive until the gas runs out. And he's got a gun and he's only got... Four bullets and there's five of them. Yeah. And so he proceeds to shoot everyone. Including his child. Out of mercy. Because otherwise, they're sitting ducks waiting on these creatures to kill. Every way that this is told and told through the film is incredible. Mm-hmm. The fact that you could have that scenario after you've been trying to remain filled with hope for these characters, and that you get to that point, and that's where it's very Twilight Zone-ish. Yeah, it's just like oh. What you, two but the sec- way they pull two seconds out, later, because somebody because <laughs> even even one of the characters says. He says, we've got four bullets. And they said, but there's five of us. He says, we'll figure out something. And he kills everybody in the car, a bullet each. Yeah. And the way and they do it. And leaves himself alive. They pull out. Ugh. And we just listen and see the flashes, the flashes of the gun in the car. So we don't know what's happening. Yeah. So it's incredibly intense. Because you realize this is it. And so you're like, I think every movie goer at that point is trying to figure out, like, well, maybe somebody's 
trying to sit next to somebody to shoot them both, or maybe it's just who's doing the the shooting. And then, you know, we go back and the, his acting is fantastic. Oh yeah. I mean, there's just, there's nothing Hollywood there. It's just, uh, yeah. the eyes he, he keeps, I think is the real wow, because he doesn't do the traditional upset selling. He's crazy at this point. I mean, like he's almost half grinning for a second here. The and fact there, where that he's just yeah, completely the madness and of done. what he's just had yeah. to do. Yep. And so the screaming, um, and then the plan clearly, and he keeps trying to pull the trigger. Yep. He's, even though he knows there's no bullets yep. left, trying to kill himself. Just that's that's all he wants to die at that point. Yeah. Gets out of his car and that's and the starts plan. screaming to bring the creatures down yeah, upon him. That was the plan. I'll, I'll do this. So you guys don't have to, and then I'll go out and suffer something excruciating. The worst part to me is that his kid wakes up and sees what he's doing, that he's getting is he sees his dad pointing the fucking gun yeah. at him. And this, uh, but this is why I say bravo to the filmmaker. Cause they got the balls to do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And tell, tell, a, you know, a, I would be okay with that ending though. If, if they would have ended it there instead, but yeah, like two seconds later, the strike three in soul crushing film viewing <sighs> moments but, later, the military rolls in. The mist is dissipating. They're killing the creatures. It's over. You see, you see Melissa McBride who left the store to get her children with her children by so herself because he said, Thomas Jane's character says, I've got my own child to worry about and won't go with her. And then there she goes with both of her children. Which doesn't alive. make any sense. Which, which right. originally they were going to find her dead. But, but they, it was. But people liked her acting so much that they wanted to keep her alive. And but I think it's also an extra dick kick is that the moment that he was selfish cost him everything. what I wanted to get to. Because with especially Darabont, hope is everything. That's why the Shawshank Redemption is a great film. It even has the line, hope's never a bad well, thing. That, that makes and sense. And so then. with this, the minute they give up. Now, I hate, also, I don't want to come off as though it's selling the idea of any kind of vindictive punishment that anybody deserves what that man just no. did and went through. I don't mean it that way, but no. that it's always worth hanging on for. Yeah. Is I think the minute they gave up it. is the minute that that, that, that makes sense then because he wanted to extend the ending, and after you see her come along, there's a second one come along with the survivors of the grocery store. Or if they would have just waited, uh, uh, so that would have been even like oh, especially because those people were so shit. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. probably like I do like that at least he cut that part out. Yeah. This is a rare instance for me where an ending is so brutal, but it doesn't affect the rewatchability for me because the characters and the acting and the storytelling is so good leading up to that, that I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that it completely took all of the wind out of me on that ending, like through that whole movie, because it does get you emotionally invested. Like I said, I had me talking to my television and then for that, it was just like deflated. It was like, Oh my God. God, but then at the same time, I was like, man, you had the balls to end it that yeah. way. You know what I mean? So I agree with you. I don't think it affects the rewatchability for me. And it also keeps us watching movies because if a Frank Darabont of the world every once in a while will give you an ending like that, then there's a reason to watch movies all the way through because yeah. you don't know. Yep. It's like occasionally somebody needs to make an upsetting one or unpopular. Uh, not feel good ending. Yeah. Uh, and I think he masterfully did it where it still kind of maintains a message within that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'd highly recommend this film. Absolutely. And I would probably steer people towards the black and white version. Absolutely. Yeah. Blu-ray, the Blu-ray comes with both versions completely worth getting when and if that's available. Cool. All right. Round and third, heading home. We're talking about Vinny's pick, The Terminator. Terminator, 1984. I This movie had a big impact on me as a kid. Um, <laughs> now, my me- memory is a bit fuzzy. Uh, because because in 84, I was six years old. I was not watching this movie when it came out. Uh, but I do believe I had, my dad had shown it to me with the advent of VHS of, all right, close your eyes. I want to fast forward through this part, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I had seen the majority of it on VHS before T2 came out. But when T2 came out, that totally reignited everything. Uh, but I feel that this movie, I think, is often overlooked in the horror community. I think it's too often lumped in as a sci-fi movie, which it is. Make no mistake, it absolutely is a sci-fi movie. It, the The feel of it as when it begins is absolutely a science fiction movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, as a kid, that was a double sell for me: sci-fi and horror fantastic mm-hmm. um as an adult i look at it i feel like this is more of a horror movie than it is a sci-fi movie now it's the alien aliens debate as well right. uh, t2 is certainly more of a sci-fi movie with horror elements whereas i believe that terminator is horror with sci-fi elements and just the fact the movie is mostly shot at night. There are very few scenes that are shot in the daylight in this movie. The Terminator has that relentless hunting feeling of Jason, of Michael Myers. Um, so I thought, number one, I enjoy this movie a lot, and any opportunity to discuss it is good for me. But I also wanted to bring it up just because this is a horror podcast, and this is something that I feel like uh, gets overlooked too many times within the genre and discarded as sci-fi. So that's why I wanted to discuss it. Uh, I watched this movie, again, probably close to the same age, so I'm, I'm sure I didn't see it in 84. Um, probably saw it a couple years later um, on VHS. This movie fit in with so many other films that scared the shit out of me because as a kid I was terrified of like nuclear war. Because if you were a kid in the 80s, in the 80s, if yeah. you weren't going to get taken by a devil worshiper, then the nuclear then the war Russians was, were going to yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. So that was definitely a big fear. And um, to me, this is 100. Um, this is a horror movie with sci-fi, and I think the only reason people forget that is because of the sequels. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, because as a franchise, it's not. good. I mean, even as a, as a as a formula, you have the final girl. Uh, mm-hmm. You have basically Jaws on feet. Yep. Um, because there's no feelings. Um, perfect casting by Schwarzenegger. Um, I don't know. I've always loved this movie. My biggest challenge for doing this with the podcast was stopping at Terminator. Because I this is a, a franchise I love. But I was like, man, if I watch the other movies, I'm going to start talking about them and not focus right. on Terminator. Um, so that was my biggest challenge was the movie ended and I'm all pumped. And, and I'm I, like, no. And I don't feel like the franchise fits 
for a horror podcast, but I absolutely feel like the first movie does. Yeah. Um, I do remember seeing this in my youth, and it was a little above my pay grade at the time, you know, seeing mm-hmm. this before T2 came out and not fully grasping and not getting to watch all of it. I remember my parents renting it and then being like, eh, maybe this isn't for you, <laughs> you know? Um, but then of course, like seeing T2 when T2 came out, like that changed my life as a kid. I mean, the movie was awesome. Uh, Ed Furlong was great. The soundtrack was phenomenal. And so I've always through every medium DVD, Blu-ray, I've always owned both of these um, even though I watch T2 more frequently. Um, but yeah, this is just a solid film. It's a good movie. Um, there are some parts of it that are terrifying. Definitely the the dystopian future aspect of it. Um, and just the unrelenting Terminator just coming after mm-hmm. her. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's horror enough. I'll give it that. Especially, you know, in the last conversation we had about what is horror, that episode we did a few ones back. Um, it's it's horror enough that I'll still give this one a pass, um, definitely over T2 and the other ones. Not to say that T1000 isn't terrifying in sure. T2, but this one is more of if this. I think if this film stood alone, as we were just saying, mm-hmm. it'd probably be more remembered as a horror I sci-fi so too. film. Yeah. yeah, I think so. So, I agree uh, pretty much with everyone everything you guys are saying about that. I think that time has changed the way we, we think of the first one, because I can remember looking at um, the horror encyclopedia was a book I was obsessed with. My dad had a big, big book and it went year by year and it covered those and Terminator is in there. I mean, it's, it's a dude who basically can't be stopped, who will not quit until to me, it's no different than Jason or Michael. He's a slasher. And so when that first came out, that was thought of as a horror movie. Um, there was another book um, called Psychos, and I remember I think it was that one that had him in there too. And I can remember seeing the images and being like, "Well, this, this doesn't really jive with the guy I've seen in more recent movies. He right. looks scary in this and mean." Um, and I, I will say, uh, as as I get older, I actually, I mean, I prefer watching the first one now um, to the second one. The second one had a huge cultural impact. I mean, it was everywhere. I mean, even to the point where it transcended into cameos and in other movies. And let's be honest, it's a good sequel. Oh yeah. And I still enjoy it, but sequels. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, from, for my taste, especially from the character development point of view. And, and you think with James Cameron before this, he's made piranha two, And then this, this is an impressive thing he's put together and crafted and created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and thankfully, we hadn't gotten into some of the more computer-driven special effects. Yeah. And so that's why a lot of it holds up with so much charm now. And I, you know, I, yeah. I just, I really enjoy the first one. I, I love um, the simplistic casting. Mm-hmm. That uh, yeah, we've got some people, you know, swimming around the main crux of the plot, but at the core of it, it's three people yeah. set in this huge city. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's an interesting pick in the sense of, you know, when you're thinking of horror movies to pick, this never comes to mind, mm-hmm. but I'm glad you picked it because I really do think that time has ref- kind of altered how we think of this movie. Because well, I'll it, be honest with you upon this watching, I felt that it was more horror than I even did going in yeah. when I picked it initially. Yeah. Watching it again, I was like, fuck yes, this is a horror movie. So many false jump scares like to oh, yeah. get you 
And so many sinister things. There's even at one point, um, I was thinking about this, where he goes into Linda Hamilton's apartment, attacks the the boyfriend in bed first, and then goes after her. It's the same time the Night Stalker's going on out there, which is exactly how he did it. Go right in a side door or window and take the mail out first and go after the woman. And so, not that I think they were trying to set, do anything in particular, but it even kind of taps into those Los Angeles fears there with that. And it, he's always going around at night in this film doing it. And we, mm-hmm. I mean, eventually evolve into seeing him stripped down uh, to the robot with the red eyes. I mean, there, there's too many horror elements there for it to just be a sci-fi or action film. Mm-hmm. But then if you look at the way the sequels ventured off and how they went, how we came to know Arnold Schwarzenegger as an action star and then a, a politician even. It's just, I think it kind of molds retroactively how we kind of hold that film in regards to it, what it is. And the when you go back and watch it, this thing. it's different. Bill Paxton, Lance Henriksen, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Michael Bean, like this cast is fucking amazing. In yeah, this movie. and mainly because of the director who's gotten them together and will keep using them in yeah. big yeah, movies. It's a, it's a, I think it's just an absolute, I think it's a masterpiece. Yeah. I think it's an absolute 80s masterpiece. Well, and I should also add in the way we view James Cameron because of what he made after this. Mm-hmm. But at the time that he made this, he came from Corman. He came yep. from making the Piranha sequel and then this. And so there, there's much more horror in the roots of this film than it, I think, has blossomed out And you get blue time. 80s lighting. Yeah. Yep, there <laughs> is. Yep. <laughs> And that, done, the, done extremely well. Yeah, oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, to think that this this is the guy that went on to make Titanic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What it blows my mind even more is that when he got done with Titanic, he started working on Avatar. Yeah. And how many years? It's like fifteen or something. Linda yeah. Hamilton is. I mean, just the acting on this movie is not a B level movie. The acting is so good in this film, and. Like I say, at the age that I was, the sci-fi angle really sold me because I was a sci-fi kid too. You know, I was a nerdy kid. My dad started me off on the path of nerdery. You know, um, did you notice the other punk with Bill Paxton was Brian Thompson? Yeah, yeah. I did yeah. notice that. Uh, it's, I don't know, Grizz. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, dime store synopsis of this is it's a killing machine is sent back from the future to kill. Um, uh, the mother, the Sarah, mother, Sarah Connor, Sarah Connor, whose son is going to be John Connor, who leads the resistance against Skynet, the robots. Um, so that's that's just the quick premise: is that this yeah. machine, this Terminator, has come back in time to kill her, so she can't have John Connor. And then Michael Bean's character has come back in time to protect her, and inadvertently be baby daddy, making John Connor. <laughs> I like that. A- in the beginning, you're not sure who's what. Yeah. When they come back, you're not sure sure who is the aggressor and who isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, because after you see Arnold's butt, how could you not trust him? <laughs> not to mention he hanging, follow that butt. He's walking out from the Griffith Observatory with his dong swing, and I was like, I don't remember this. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Hot Toddy remembers. But I, I, I like the uh, as you go through the movie. I like that you've got Arnold. In his first form, and then after the fire, they pay enough attention that his hair is singed, his mm-hmm. eyebrows are gone. Like, yeah, looks like powder. Well, yeah. well there, there, there is a name we haven't mentioned, which is Stan Winston, who did the effects on this Yes, film. thank you for doing that. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. Um, it's 
this movie's just so good. Like, I mean, and this this is early Schwarzenegger too, where he didn't like he could still pass for human. But he's a perfect Terminator because some of the um, I still kind of laugh with some of the original choices, like O.J. Simpson. He barely had any lines. Yeah. He barely had any. So they lines they actually they he had more lines. They cut his lines. Um, I never realized that he was off filming Conan when they were getting ready to shoot doing this. And because of the time, like they decided to wait during the waiting period is when Cameron took a writing assignment for aliens. Mm. So this movie kind of got a bunch of things rolling. Um, the only negative thing I'll say about any of the effects is that initially when he loses that part of his face and you can see the red eye, and his face is a little more prosthetic than he In 1984, you didn't care. No, no, no. But now he kind of just looked like a, a a drag queen that had a rough night. Like he just had so much makeup <laughs> caked on his face. But uh, no, my, I just, everything, I mean, we've, we've been gushing about this at, at length and I agree with all of it. Uh, one, one scene that I really like is the scene uh, where he goes into the gun store and shoots Dick Miller. Yeah. yeah, Miller's in it. Yeah, you know, again, another, another staple. Uh, Which also, I think, is a, a moments like that, the sinister, bring the horror elements to the, the it. Because you're like, damn, dude, you could have just took them. The first yeah. two Sarah Connor. You had to blow this the, guy The one's like a little old lady. Cold-blooded. Yeah, yeah, yeah Sarah yeah, yeah. Connor. <laughs> and I love in that store, uh, you know, me being a gun guy, like, he picks up all the iconic guns in that store that we would all grow up seeing in movies. He yeah. picks up a, a 1911 he picks up a, a Uzi. Fran- an Uzi, and he picks up a Franchi Spa's shotgun, which would be in Halloween 4. It would be in Jurassic Park. Like, it's the iconic shotgun of the 80s, 90s. And I was like, ah, oh, just warms my little gun-loving heart to see all <laughs> everything I grew up loving all in, in one store right there. So uh, something we haven't mentioned either is, um, uh, this might have been like why he was filming Avatar, but he came up with this movie from a nightmare he had. Really? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So he actually had it, the, the, the sequence where it's the future and it's like the, the uh, ectoskeletons, whatever you want to call them. Exoskeleton. Whatever. I mix, <laughs> the I mix ecto, Ghostbusters. The, the, with, ecto, uh, the ecto-cooler skeleton. I don't need your judgment. <laughs> so uh, the skeletons of the robots, and they, they step on the skull. That, that was actual from his nightmare. Wow. Just what made him think of this movie. But again... Um, hey, wasn't he in Rome filming Piranha? And like was having all kinds of trouble with the production, and was like found himself to know that he did Piranha Two is kind of amusing to me because that's a horrible film. Uh, I've never seen it. It's worth watching. It's that bad. Yeah, I love the first one. Um, but yeah, so uh, original choices for Terminator: O.J. Simpson, who was too nice. Uh, so that's why he went Terminator. <laughs> Little did we know. Uh, yeah. Mel Gibson, Sylvester Stallone. Oh wow! Uh, which is cool because then Last Action Hero Stallone is. As the Terminator in the video store, um, uh, one of Professor's favorite films. By yeah, the I way. love that movie. We'll Last it till the day I die. <laughs> Did, didn't like that movie. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh, I didn't realize was the original. You didn't like Last Action no. Hero. How could a movie loving kid not like that? Oh. Man, go fly a kite, Professor. <laughs> I'm in the, sitting with a bunch of damn dummies. No, no. So. Uh, any final things to say as we're wrapping up? I, I think my only other criticism of this film gets a little long with I the agree. exoskeleton chase stuff at the yep. end. It's a little. They, they I could say, have turned a little I off say that. I say in '84, this that was a special effects showcase. 
And I say in '84, people didn't give a there, shit. There is like no like like the well, slow scenes are, are an opinion. Are plot driven. <laughs> <laughs> if we would have elevated his abilities more, yeah. as we drug it out, I think that would have serviced it better. Other than just revealing what he's made up of. Yeah. Um, that, I, think, I would agree with that. It's it's just a pinch. I think it became more of a monster out. movie at that point. Yeah. I think people forget that uh, "Come with me if you want to live" is not Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's actually Michael Bean. Yeah. That says that, um, and also uh, I, I never realized that his original intentions. It's funny that you say all the stuff about Terminator was that there was two Terminators and two men from the future. So the second that because of money they couldn't do it, the other one was going to be Liquid. So his ah. idea just carried over into the second film. Huh. Cool. Right on. Any final thoughts about the Terminator? I, I just love it. Um, if somebody else. Maybe has an opinion on it not being horror. I think a good litmus test is the music. And if you go listen to that soundtrack for the Terminator, yeah, there's plenty of horror music going on there. The oh, pulsating, yeah. for sure. I would. Um, I know it gets a little sci-fi from here, but I would. I would be open to a Terminator franchise in the future. I've never watched anything past three. Really? That well, oh, you know. Genesis. So Cameron is involved with the newest one, and. Hamilton is back. Schwarzenegger's back. Aren't they? It's uh, is every, Genesis or is there another but, one? So after oh, past two, oh, wow. after, after Genesis, Salvation. you could kind of do it because Genesis does an alternate timeline. Yeah. See, so. I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, okay. It's on third. I'll probably sit down and watch them all at some point. I mean, for God's sakes. Blu-ray set's cheap. I'm working through the Fast and Furious franchise right now. Oh, I'll, God. I'll what watch, is wrong with I'll you? watch any franchise. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Last <laughs> Action Hero. <laughs> Any any movie with Killer the Apes. I'm not saying I Planet of the Apes. <laughs> any uh, franchise where they hang dong. <laughs> Shout out. Right on. Well, friends, it's been another uh, fun episode of the Monster Mash. Uh, thanks for hanging with us again. Please make sure that thanks you subscribe. <laughs> please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating and a review. You don't have to give us a review if you give us a rating. Uh, click the star that you feel is appropriate, but we'd love if you gave us that five-star review just to help us get some exposure and spread the word about the Midwest monsters. So, that being said, I am one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner. I'm joined by my best buds. Professor Wagstaff. Venomous Vinny. Hot toddy. Stay scary. Last action hero is great. <laughs>